side. Oysters. That frozen concoction that helps me hang on. Is clam bake not a word in that song at all? No. It's never in there. Never. It is. Something. Living on sponge cake. Something. Watching the sun bake. God damn it. It's not clam bake. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, step in on clam bake. (laughs) It's like, living on sponge cake. Watching the sun bake. Mm. Um. I have to have sponge cake. All those tourists covered in oil. Mm. Sponge cake with like a liqueur and Mm. strawberries. Mm. Oh, wow. That went a different direction and Mm. I like it. Then you like it? You don't like it like that? I and I like it. Oh, okay. I thought you liked it. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake. Mm. All all you parrot heads, but it was all all the tourists covered in oil. Hmm, 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 hmm. Strumming my six string on my front porch swing. Smell those shrimp there beginning to boil. Still not clams. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're sponge cake. Clams are like a northeastern <laughs> Eastern thing. <laughs> Eating a clam, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> shrimp boil and sponge cake. Mm, welcome. Mm. Nibbling on sponge cake. Nibbling on shrimp cake. <laughs> <laughs> Watching my clams bake. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the B-side. B-side. When they get done, I haven't a clue. <laughs> Welcome to the B-side. <laughs> so last week we did a ghost we as in Patrice and herself. <laughs> that is I. Me, myself, and me, I. Me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> did a uh, ghost story that I wanted to talk a little bit more about because I have this book that I bought, bought off of eBay because I love buying like really cheap library books, like when libraries go to sell their books. And it's called The Appalachian Ghost by Nancy Roberts with photos by Bruce Roberts. Nancy Roberts. And the, one of the, the second story in this book is called The Coming of the Demon. Mm? And so that is the story. Is that the William Crow story? That I read first because I wrote that ghost story. What? Are you serious? Nope. I wrote the ghost story. I've been like busting my ass for the past three days. Oh my God. To write this story. Thank you. Thank you very much. So good. Original piece. Oh my God. I did not know that. So it's based on this story, but the story is. That's is so cool, Patrice. Basically, the a mysterious stranger trope. Mm hmm. You know, that's common in folklore. And so I'm going to tell you what the coming of the demon is. You know, I'm going to break it down for you. The story that I first read before I wrote the story based off of it. Oh, my God. So coming of the demon is William Livingston living. Yeah, Stone, a farmer moves to a lakeside farm and which later becomes West Virginia. The stranger, a stranger arrives at the home one night and falls ill and dies. And he asks for the rites from the Catholic priest from the Livingstone family, Mm -hmm. which he doesn't receive. So after the stranger's death, mysterious events start to plague the Livingstone 
home, including like a wagon stopping, uh, furniture toppling, and these balls of fire coming like from the fireplace, shooting out the fireplace. And also there's like this whole episode of shears that come and like start clipping clothes and linens. Oh, weird. What? Yeah, it's really weird. And even like, so they have this community dance there at the homestead. And a young man is like, well, I don't know what you've been experiencing, but I don't believe in demons. And then the demon comes with a pair of shears and clips his pants and they fall down and he (laughs) runs out. He runs out of the thing, right? Love a good pantsing. (laughs) A demon pantsing, right? (laughs) So uh, that night, Livingstone dreams of a priest who can rid him of a demon haunting his home. And he attends this Catholic service, but I mean, this is like West Virginia, mm-hmm. and you know, there's where no, are you gonna find Catholics? where are you gonna find Catholics? <laughs> and so he meets this Father Calhill, and he's the priest from his dreams. So Father Calhill prays and sprinkles holy water on the Livingstone home. He consecrates the stranger's grave, and this all the supernatural stuff stops happening after the priest intervention. Grateful Livingstone deeds a portion of his land to the Catholic Church. And then years later, the land is said to be haunted and reports of mysterious hoofbeats and a figure in cape near the chapel built on the property can be seen. And so that's kind of bizarre that like, okay, so now now it's haunted when like the Catholics <laughs> solved the problem. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so some of them were, were saying like it's the spirit of the stranger returning to give thanks. Mm. So that's kind of how they phrased it. So I read that and I was just like, oh my God. Well first of all, the Catholic in the middle of West Virginia, I was like, that's just weird. And it's mm-hmm. setting it up to for like atonement from not providing like you know the last rites for for this you know man that died in the home and stuff like that so I was like that's interesting but I'm not doing the Catholic thing and I thought it'd be like way cooler if we brought it really (laughs) down into Appalachia and like maybe bring in an old wise woman instead of like the Catholic and then I was thinking a priest and stuff and um and also you know, I was thinking about like the morality, like the lessons, the morals of these stories, which they all are set up to have morals and mm-hmm. good guys and bad guys and hardly ever mention the wives' names or or anything like that. And I was like, I'm not going to do it like that. I want to kind of follow the idea that my dad always says where he's like, no good deed goes unpunished. Exactly. That's what I thought about the whole thing. I was like, why are they being punished? They helped this man in a And so that was the premise kind of of the whole thing. I was like, let's set this up. Let's have some similarities. Like, you know, the stranger who dies and then disappears and then starts haunting the place. And then they go find the old wise woman. I mean, it's still really rough. It still needs like some changes. I feel like there's... There's a few things I need to change for a little bit more clarity. It was good. I really like the whole, like the the different signs that they would yeah, put out. I love like, the hobo sign. Cool. I don't know why I thought of the hobo signs. So let's talk about hobo signs because that's something that really interested mm-hmm. me too. 
And I think it was more about the the period, this this era of like train travel. Like train was like yeah. the huge way to travel back during this time. So hobo signs are also known as hobo code or tramp code originated in the late 19th century and 20th centuries in the United States. And they were used by um, itinerant workers, also known as hobos or tramp, who traveled looking for work and, you know, faced uncertain conditions. So they were basically homeless people going from town to town trying to find work. But these hobo signs were symbol, a system of symbols drawn on fences and walls, and they used chalk or coal or other available material. And it allowed these individuals to communicate with each other without direct interaction. And also, many couldn't read or write. So these symbols were simple, and they conveyed specific messages, such to indicate like a safe place, danger, or the availability of um, work opportunities. So, for example, a circle with a dot meant that a handout could be obtained by performing a task. And like I said earlier, a cat symbol symbolized a a kind-hearted woman. Hobo signs provided crucial information about food, safety, law enforcement, and uh, more so within the hobo community. The system was never formally organized or standardized, but was widely understood among transients. And it also like showcased the resource from this and resilience and kind of the things that they went through during these challenging times. Um, And it died out with the dying out of the railroad and the different transportation as like cars um, became more prevalent on the roads because it was like, you know, and the trains didn't run as much. They couldn't hop, train hop, because they used to, you know, they would train hop and they would have like where they would hop off and it'd have like all the symbols like this was a good town to mm-hmm. like come and stay the night or, you know, they will arrest you, you know, keep on going kind of deal, which just was like the circle with the two slashes and the arrows mm-hmm. and stuff. So mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated with kind of that coding system. And I thought that would be cool to kind of play into this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. That was super what cool. What about the one from the, the World War One? Was that, you know, symbols there? Was that? True. No, that was true. That was artistic license. Okay. Well, uh, it seemed like it seemed it, it seemed like a good way. Like when you and and it goes for like not being able to like read or write. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to communicate with somebody that doesn't speak your language, uh, symbols would be like a legit way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that would work in perfectly because I wanted to bring in like you know the the guy in the first story was like World War One kind of deal. So. I wanted to bring kind of that aspect in and kind of like settling into a quiet life in Appalachia, Kentucky. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they did that. It seems like definitely yeah. a World War II thing because, um, you know, the, the Nazis and mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish people having to be hidden and the secret code and things that had to happen then. Oh, I would think right. That's definitely. It'd be plausible. Something that could happen in, in those times mm-hmm. to show safe houses and safe places and who's on whose side kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So where did you where did you come up with the ceremony that the witch lady did? Did you just make it up? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was, that was pretty cool. I, I was just and, and I kind of fucked it up. What? Because what I wanted to have happen because I wanted Hazel to hang the talisman 
And they are actually, and I looked this up, uh, I did a research on like the different kinds of Appalachian talisman. And there's one for Hawthorne wood talisman that wards off evil spirits. And so, you know, those are the ones that she hung on the door and hung around the house. And I wanted to have those fall down and be lost in the snow after the um, dude oh. like left. Not so much lost, but I wanted them to fall off the house after the dude left. And so I wanted like the 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 people holding the talismans with their blood on the talismans to throw into the fire, mm. and then. Uh, the spirit is like contained in this fire and then the fire goes out and the old woman's like done and leaves. <laughs> like I want her to be like kind of a crabby old, <laughs> like no, no funny business. Well, a little funny business because she made the crack about the firstborn. But I wanted her to be kind of like a crabby, like wise woman that did her job and is like out, don't want to socialize. I want to go back to like her little home in, in the woods. And uh, be done with it. Um, but yeah. Cool, man. That was really cool. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I'm glad you didn't suspect. I did not. No. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Excellent. I know. Then you showed the book and I was like, okay. So I know. I was like, oh, this is the book, book it came from. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, it, it's the book that I've got inspiration from. And there's a couple of others. And I thought that this would be, I mean, shit, it took me a long time. I mean, book because it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard, and um, it's funny. I've talked about doing that a lot, but I have never set aside. Like I've never done it yet. I know this whole time because we've talked several we've times so about how like there are great it. stories. There are so, but many. so many of them aren't really fleshed out. Yeah. And so like you could take a story that you just have kind of a very minor framework for, right? And create a really like mm-hmm. yep. big thing out of that's pretty cool yeah and i was i was thinking like i, I really enjoyed it, even though it was like took way longer than like putting together a story mm-hmm. it's like this would be perfect for the halloween i was gonna say i'm surprised period. you didn't just save that for uh romero oh, shit why didn't you save that? That would have been spectacular. Because I didn't have nothing for tonight. It's ah. gonna be. It's gonna be good at romance. You just have it, to do this again. Fun. You I'll just, just have to write another story. I'll though. Just do it again. Just do it again. Maybe fun. we should do a collaborative story for romance. I would love to do that. I thought of that. That's what I was thinking of when you said that. We may have to have a conversation. If we like. Um, I don't. It's almost like an idea of a Mad Libs. You don't know who's going to do what next. You just hand it. Oh my god! My god! Like a um. We have to know ahead of time, but like you. I was going to say, there's a little stress. It's an exquisite corpse story. Yeah. It's like oh, it's like it used to be a parlor game, but it's basically that idea. It's like you. It was with but exquisite corpse was that a tale telling or was that drawing? It's both. It started out as tale telling, so it. It came about where writers and artists would gather in like yeah. a bar and drink their absinthe, mm. whatever. Absinthe, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And then um, somebody would start a tale and they would go around finishing well, it's, oh, the tale. Uh, it's kind of like mm-hmm. um, um, the romantics and Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, artists mm-hmm. picked up on it, and so they would start to, like, draw mm-hmm. and pass around drawings, and they would add to it. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. That sounds... We can't do that live. Are <laughs> you getting... sure? 
I don't know, maybe. Maybe if we got together we and like did before. some uh, <laughs> and did a few practice passes in advance. Uh-huh. It could be the mini sode of our live show. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> sod maybe that'll be, sod. be or or we could just do it. We could do our uh, regular stories. Oh, I don't know. That'd what be too long. What if we had long. the audience do it? Oh my god, ah! you guys, get fucking y'all. ready, y'all! I'm bringing y'all in, and if I'm going down, you're going down with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a lot to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Do we have anything else for the B side while we're thinking about? It? Oh, one thing I would like to throw out there are mm-hmm. Patreons who we absolutely love, and we appreciate love y'all you. so much. We do. We have been talking about putting together little happies to send to you mm-hmm. so if you are a patreon please go onto the patreon page when you have time or you can email us at the strange self podcast at gmail.com and just send us your mailing address because we have some things we want to put together and send to you as a halloween happy Yay. if not become a patreon by going to Patreon.com slash The Strange South. I believe it's just The Strange South. Yes. It might be The Strange South podcast. Uh, just The Strange South. You should be able to search us and find us. We'll have a link. We do have a link on our website. And for $3, you become a patron and you'll get a little happy from us as well. If you become part of our Sasquatch squad, which is $15 a month, you will get a free t-shirt. And our eternal gratitude for yes. helping keep the show as much as like it can be a shit show on air. <laughs> our eternal love forever. <laughs> so we appreciate y'all and thank y'all so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.